impact our lives. And uh, we just ask that you would um, give us your strength and uh, you would let us know that we are not alone. And um, I do ask, God, that with the uh, offering that we're taking here this morning, that you would um, just allow those gifts to be used uh, to honor you. And God, would we be able to reach out to our uh, community and uh, would we be able to find a way to uh, use these dollars in the most effective way to touch lives for you. God, thank you for each person who finds it within themselves to give. May uh, you be honored uh, in this place um, for all the things that you do. Um, We love you and praise you. Um, We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I love being a dad. In fact, over the past two and a half years, this has been the most fun I've had. And I love this chair because it's in this chair where I enjoy a lot of different things. For instance, um, being able to hold uh, either one of my kids and um, read them stories or play peekaboo. And I think what I love most about being a parent is seeing my wife um, hold our kids and um, then change their diapers. Actually, I do my share of changing diapers, too. Um, But I just love this time of my life. And I can't think of anything that I would uh, rather do uh, than being a parent. And I love the hugs, and I love the kisses, and uh, the cuddles, and all those things uh, that kind of happen and take place uh, in this chair. Now, like I said last week, I've only been doing this parenting thing for about two and a half years, Um, and the person who sits in this chair is very imperfect and uh, does not have it all together by any means. But I'm trying to do my best on knowing how to do life in the nursery. In fact, I love the nursery. Uh, Today... I brought some of the things that we enjoy, my daughter Jordan and I, in the nursery. This is Dance Elmo, and uh, I may know how to work it. There we go. And I think if he touches hand, maybe the batteries are dead. I don't know. But he he goes around, and he spins, and then he falls down, and then he says, help, pick Elmo up. And then Jordan picks him up and throws him right back down again. Um, There are other things that uh, we enjoy as well. Uh, one thing is puzzles, and she's real big into Dora right now. I don't know if you guys can see that way back there. I won't tip it over because it will fall out. Um, but we put this puzzle together multiple times, not just once, and uh, that's one thing we enjoy. And then, finally, one of the things that Jordan's really learned to love lately is tea time. So we get our little tea kettle out. I can't believe I would have ever done this two years ago. But, uh, you know, pour it all in and uh, kind of get, uh, you know, our cup. And our babysitter has taught Jordan that she needs to curl her pinky uh, when she does tea. And so she's always telling me, um, Daddy, curl your pinky. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's enough. But um, anyway, I just love, you know, being a parent. It's a, a real high calling in my life. And today, what I want to talk about are three important things that happen in that rocking chair. 
And I want to talk about three elephants that we don't talk about, but also happen when we are focusing in on the nursery. And I realize that some of you are parents, some of you aren't, some of you are grandparents, but whatever it is, many of us spend time with people in the rocking chair. And just to uh, help us with these elephants, I'm going to put up Horton, or as Jordan says, uh, Ernie the elephant. And um, we will uh, stay focused on that. Now, the first important thing that needs to happen in this chair is um, the importance of sharing or expressing your fears. That fears get expressed uh, in this chair. And they're legitimate fears. Now, some of these fears I have had, and I have a feeling that uh, some of you have as well. Fears like, can I really do this? Am I ready for this? I mean, am I going to break them? Um, Am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to be a good mom? Am I too young for this? Am I too old for this? How do I change a diaper? How do I put lotion on? How do I do all that stuff? I got a friend of mine named Chad uh, that told me that after they brought home their first baby from the hospital, his wife looked at him and said, um, you know, uh, it's time for the baby change. And Chad said, well, I'll get the next one. And um, when the baby got wet again, uh, she said, well, Chad, it's your turn. And he said, I meant the next kid. Um, So... I mean, this thing is just hard to figure out sometimes. But legitimate fears become expressed in that chair. Fears like, is the baby going to be healthy? Who do we trust to watch our baby? How are we going to afford this? And these are legitimate fears. I looked up this week, uh, the federal government does a statistical study on how much it costs to raise a child from birth to age 18. And uh, this might surprise you, but the cost is $221,000, okay? Now, you look at that and you're like, oh, I can't believe it. And it's overwhelming. But when you break it down, it sounds a little bit better. So when you break it down, it goes like this. It costs $12,277.77 per year to raise a child. It costs $1,023.15 a month, $236.11 a week, unless you have a male teenager, and then food probably costs that much. Then you break that down to a day, $33.73, and then you finally get down to the hour, $1.40. And sometimes you have to know this, because when they're driving you insane, you have to think, it's only $1.40. It's only $1.40, okay? Because no matter how you look at it, it is expensive to raise kids. But you need to really know also the cost of raising them. Any of you uh, ever watch this guy? Uh, he's a bald-headed guy with a mustache on TV called Dr. Phil. Anybody ever seen him before? Yeah. Well, he wrote a book recently uh, in the last couple years, and he surveyed 20,000 parents. And 40% of them said this, If we knew then 
what we know now, we would not have had a family. And that just blew me away. I thought about all the little kids in this 40% that somehow aren't quite as wanted as they should be. Now, they were honest, they were clear, they said it the way it was. But I think what it really raised was one of these elephants in the room that uh, we sometimes don't talk about, and it's this. It requires a great deal of sacrifice to be a parent. It requires a great deal of sacrifice to be a parent. You see, when you decide to have a child, the world no longer revolves around you like it ever did anyway. But I mean, being a, being a parent requires a great deal of selflessness, that you give yourself away. You have to decide ahead of time, before the shower gifts, before you buy an actual car seat, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I'm willing to be exhausted for the rest of my life. I'm willing to, you know, smell spit up on my shoulder for a few years. And you have to be willing to deal with little kids who they only have three words in their vocabulary. No, ball, and mine. And wives, I'm not talking about your husbands on that, okay? Also, you have to commit to doing things and enjoying things like Happy Meals and Dora and Diego and Sesame Street for the 15th time. You accept the reality that nothing in this world is stain-proof, you know? You have a kid and they go, oh, this will never be an issue. It's stain-proof. Nothing's stain-proof. They find a way to make stains. They just do. And you have to be willing to push your ego aside and, uh, you know, drive a minivan for the next 15 years as a guy, you know, and, and just kind of deal with that. And finally, you sacrifice your time and you say, I'm willing to give a huge chunk of my life and my freedom and to pour it out into a life of another human being, a little boy, a little girl, and let them know that they are irrationally loved by me and irrationally loved by God. It's high stakes, and you've got to know the cost. I mean, it's not like bringing a puppy home, you know? You bring a puppy home, they don't act quite right, you know, they don't do the things you want. You can call up a friend. You can call up the Humane Society. You can call the newspaper, put an article in there that says, free to a good home, you know? But you can't do that with a kid, free to a good home. Once you bring them back from the hospital, they don't take them back. We've tried, you know? Now, let me also say this. Not everybody has to be a parent. It took my wife Jennifer and I 13 years uh, to really decide whether or not this was something God wanted us to do. And we spent a lot of time kind of thinking about it. And God doesn't call every single person to be a parent. And it's okay. I know that there are several single people who are here today. And uh, maybe you're married, but you don't have kids. And you're spending your days, though, in amazing ways. Uh, serving God, serving the church, 
serving other people, helping young parents in their um, way through parenthood. Jennifer Wilson, whom uh, some of you may know, uh, she oversees our outward-focused ministry and all our mission uh, stuff here and does a great job. She's a single woman and a, a very kind woman. And over the past two years, basically what she's done is just kind of adopted our two kids. And she has poured tons of her time and energy and money into them. She's kind of become an an adopted aunt. And she watches them regularly and she buys stuff for them uh, constantly. And when we go on vacation, every once in a while she'll go with us and she'll help watch the kids so that Jennifer and I have a couple of nights uh, out on our own. But most of all, what she does is she just invests in these two kids' lives. And Jen has been a wonderful support. And maybe for some of you who are single or who are married but don't have kids right now, maybe what you could be doing is thinking, who is a young couple that I could invest my life into? Because they need it. Well, friends, um, you really express fears uh, in this chair. It's important to do that. I can remember uh, two, uh, a couple years ago, uh, Jennifer had taken this little test called the EPT test. Anybody know what that is? Most guys are like, no, I have no idea. <laughs> it's the pregnancy test, fellas. And she came back, and I, I don't know if it's supposed to be blue, pink, I don't know what the color is, yay or nay, you know, whatever it is. But she came and she was so excited, look, we're pregnant. And I'd love to tell you that uh, I sat there and I was like, yes, you know. But actually, I was petrified. I was scared to death. I'm thinking, I'm 35 years old. When this kid gets out of 50, oh my gosh, you know, no way. And I was scared, fearful to do that. I'm thinking my life's going to change. I've had all this freedom, and now it's going to change. And there have been so many times over the past two and a half years that I've sat in this chair and I've prayed to God about the fears and inadequacies that I experience in life. And yet what I've found is that God really does desire for us to share the fears as we go through this thing called parenting in this chair. In fact, one of my most favorite scriptures in the Bible is in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, because it talks to us about the importance of sharing our fears. In fact, let's go ahead together and uh, we'll read it. Let's read this uh, scripture together. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I love that last phrase. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You see, friends, God will settle your heart, no matter what you're going through, whether it's parenting or something else. He'll give you peace. He'll give you strength. He'll give you wisdom. 
He will give you whatever you need when you're concerned and you're sitting in that chair. The second thing that happens uh, in this chair is that dreams are dreamed in this chair. Dreams are dreamed in this chair. There's a lot of dreaming. There's a lot of hoping. There's a lot of wondering what happens when we sit in this chair. Things like, what's she going to be like? Is she going to be pretty? Is she going to be tall? Is he going to be athletic? Is he going to be intelligent? Are they going to be musical? What are they going to grow up to be? What are they going to do with the rest of their life? Each Tuesday morning, uh, I go to uh, a story time with my daughter, Jordan. And it happens at uh, the Kennedy Library here in town. And on, at 1030, uh, 18-month-olds to 36-month-olds kind of invade the library. And most of the people who come to this are young moms. But almost every Tuesday, I'm there. Because I want to be there for her. And so we sit down and uh, Miss Shauna is her name and she gets everyone together and they start reading stories and they sing songs and here's these 18 month old to 36 month old uh, kids jumping up and down and, you know, pulling chairs out and doing everything and, and after 30 minutes it's kind of done. Now, this past Tuesday and many Tuesdays, I am the only male that's there. And I just kind of observe all of these young moms and their conversations. And uh, you'll have one mom that stands up and say, you know, our child just started sleeping through the night, and it's only been a month. And I heard another mom say, it took that long? And another one that said, well, our child started walking at eight months. And they said, well, that was kind of late. Ours was walking at six. Or... My kids can already say the alphabet. And I heard one mom say this one time, only in one language? I mean, there's all that kind of stuff that's going on. Friends, let me just tell you, when your kids are small, and then when they get older, let them be what God has created them to be. I mean, dream dreams with them, even dream dreams for them. But kids have their own unique personality and their own gifts. And so you have to let them be them. Dream about what God wants them to be more than what even you want them to be. If you've got a little extroverted leader and they're very, you know, boisterous and out there, then mold and shape that unique personality to that way. And if you've got a little introverted Lego engineer that would always rather play with blocks than kids, then kind of help shape that gift in his life. Folks, the reality is there is an elephant that happens in this whole area of dreaming, and it's this. Parents can be tempted to make their kids' dreams their own dreams. Parents can be tempted to make their kids' dream their own dreams. You know, for several years, uh, when we first started the church, I coached every single uh, kind of Y sport there was. Basketball, t-ball, soccer, whatever it was, I tried to coach it. 
And I was always amazed at some of the pressure and some of the pushing that these parents put on these small five, six, seven-year-old kids for them to perform. It was just unbelievable to me. And parents would yell and they'd scream and they'd critique like every single thing the kid did or didn't do. And I'll never remember going to a baseball park one day. I was watching a little kid uh, play and he was the catcher. And the ball came in and most kids, when they're young, they don't, you know, if it gets to the backstop, that's like normal, you know. And the ball came in and it went past him and he went and he got the ball and he ran back to home plate and he threw it to second base and he actually got that guy out at second. But all of a sudden you hear his dad yelling out, you got to keep the ball in front of you. Quit being a wimp. And it wasn't long until the game was over and you could see this little kid walking out and the dad was just kind of dragging him. And by the car, all of a sudden, he has his son down there doing push-ups and I see him saying, you just got to get stronger. Now, I was playing church softball at that time and I had an aluminum bat in my, uh, in my trunk. And I'll tell you what I wanted to do. I wanted to get that bat out and go up and say, you know, how strong are you? And take a swing. But you see what happens is that so often if we fall into the trap that we want our kids to fulfill something that was missing in our childhood, it just messes them up. And we can't do it. You see, what that kid will learn is this. My dad's self-esteem is based upon my performance. And when I perform well, he's good. When I don't. And God wants us to know today that he doesn't look at us based upon our performance. He looks upon us based upon his love for us. And parents should do the same. And this is so unfair for a kid to go through life trying to enhance you know, your own self-esteem. Let them dream their dreams. I mean, I think you ought to dream dreams for your kids and dream dreams with your kids. But just remember to let them dream God's dreams and not your own. And be sure to teach them that success in life is not so much wrapped up in what they do, but in who they become. You see, let me say that again. That you teach them that success in life is not so much wrapped up in what they do, but in who they become. You see, God has planned for everybody in life to have unique gifts, unique teachings. And at the same time, we need to teach our kids that success is much more about who they become as a person, than what their GPA is, or how many touchdowns they score, or how pretty or petite they are, or what school they might get into, or what kind of job they get. It's all about becoming one in Christ. You know, I have no doubt that my two daughters, uh, Jordan and Shiloh, will at one day get accolades and awards and uh, different accomplishments. But what I want more than anything else to happen in their life 
is for them to honor God and to love people and make a ripple effect in this world. That as they honor God, as they love people, that ripples are made in the world to honor Him. And that's my dream for my kids. And maybe for you, as you think about your own kids, what you dream for them, that you would sit down maybe and just read a scripture uh, to them, uh, kind of like the one in Proverbs 3. And uh, it goes like this. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my command in your heart, for they will give you a long and satisfying life. Never let loyalty and kindness get away from you. Wear them like a necklace. Write them down within your heart. Then you will find favor with God and people, and you will gain a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will direct your paths. For me, that's what's more important than anything else is that my dreams for my kids are not so much, you know, what they'll end up doing, but who they end up becoming. Because who they become is more important, what they become on the inside. Here's the third thing that's most important that needs to happen in this chair, and it's this. Nurturing takes place in this chair. Nurturing uh, takes place in this chair. Now, over the past two years, uh, it's been the most fun in my life. Uh, it has actually been being in this chair. Uh, Jordan and I uh, enjoy tickling and cuddling each other. I love having Shiloh, my youngest daughter, and kind of looking at her and looking back and forth. And um, there are just a lot of things that we uh, enjoy doing. And reading books. You never read a book just once, do you, with a two-year-old? You read it once, and then they go, again, and then you do it again, again. I mean, she knows some books better than I do. She doesn't know how to read, but we have this one book called Pizza Party, and she'll start it. Pick the dough. I don't even know. See, she'll have to read, too. I don't even know what the heck it is. (laughs) But whatever it is, you know, I mean, she will actually read it to me because she's read it that many times. I don't know what it is, but she does. And my youngest daughter... Uh, Shiloh, one of the things that she likes to do is this whole see and say thing. Isn't this fun? Like you put it to a particular animal. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, let's find the sheep. There it is. That's her favorite. And then you pull this down and let's see if you can hear it. That wasn't very good, was it? We'll do it again. Oh, that was on a different thing. I need Shiloh here. It goes, that's a sheep. Bah! Like that. And every time they see that, they just love for us to be able uh, to do that kind of thing uh, in this chair. And I'll tell you what, nurturing your kids in this chair is so important. But here's the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room, when it comes to nurturing, is this. You've got to be there. You've got to be there. You've got to be in the chair. You've got to be in the chair. I was thinking about it uh, this week, uh, and I saw this quote. One kid wrote this. He said, 
A dad is someone who will play with you even though he has friends his own age to play with. Isn't that great? A dad is someone who will play with you even though he has friends his own age uh, to play with. There's a friend of mine uh, named Eric who often helps with the setup team uh, here. And a few months ago, he and I were uh, sitting at lunch together, and he was just kind of sharing about his job. And he said, you know, with my job, I'm just traveling more and more and more all the time. He said, right now, I travel three out of four weeks a month. So four out of five days a week, I'm gone. I never get to see my kids. I never get to put them to bed. And uh, he said, it's really becoming difficult to do that. And then he told me that one day he was getting ready to leave for a business trip, and his little son, Mason, uh, came up to him, and he said, Dad, you're leaving again? Just like almost disgusted. And he said the disappointment in his eyes hurt so much that I knew something had to change. And he said, I went and I resigned from my job, and I started looking for another job, and it's difficult to find, but I found one. Um, that was in Lafayette, almost two hours away. And this is what it requires for him to be with this family. They will be moving away from this community, and they're going to have to sell two houses. One's a rental, and one's their own house. And until the houses are sold, he has to commute every single day, four to five hours in a car, driving back and forth from Lafayette. And I was saying, well, Eric, how long will this go? He goes, we, we can't move until the houses are sold. And he said, I don't care how long it takes that I will continue to make that commute if each night I can be with my kids and put them to bed. You see, folks, doing the job of parenting, you have to be at home. You have to be in the chair. Because I'm telling you, if we lined up all the little kids Mason's age that are in the zone right now, uh, or nucleus right now, and are being cared for, that they would line up and they would rather have not a big home, not parents who make a lot of money and give them stuff, but they'd rather have a parent who is there every single night to be with them. And I was thinking about it this week. You know, Christmas is coming up pretty soon, and we'll lavish presents on our kids, and we should. But what kids want more than anything else is your presence, not your presence. Think about that. Every time you buy something for them, I guarantee they'd rather have your presence than your presence. Until they're a teenager, then they could care less, I know. Well, folks, the commitment to... Uh, be there starts early on in a child's life. I realize right now, part of the reason why I am home is not necessarily because I'm doing something, because often they're taking a nap. But I'm programming myself when they get older that I'm there. And that's why you have to sit down in a chair like this one here and read every once in a while things like this. I will be here. I will be here to teach you wisdom's ways. I will be here to lead you in straight paths. You just say, I'm making a commitment today. I'm going to be here. Folks, 
Kids need your guidance. They need your discipline in their life. In fact, part of nurturing is not just all of the encouraging things that you say, but also the way that you can discipline and enforce the rules that are in your house. Now again, I want you to know, I'm very early on in this journey. And I know how frustrating it can be, whether it's a parent, grandparent, single parent, whatever, that it can be when you have a little one running around the house all over and they're whining. And I mean, it's hard to discipline. You just want to give up, you know. Yesterday, Jordan was in Isaac's wedding and it was one of those moments I finally gave up because they were getting ready to get all the pictures of everyone in the wedding party And uh, she started taking the little ring bears, like uh, flower and his hat and all kinds of stuff. And she didn't want to take pictures then. And we told her she couldn't have gum until she's bigger. But this was the only way that we were going to get pictures taken. And so Jennifer cut off this little, little stream of gum. She's like, gum! That kid smiled like you wouldn't believe, you know. She like lit up the room. But it's hard to do that. And when you have two, and they're picking at each other, and they're saying, Mom, he did this, or Mom, she did that. And then, you know, you say something real insightful, like, if you don't stop tattling on your brother, I'm going to tell your father. Then you're like, what? What did I just say, you know? I mean, it just becomes very difficult sometimes. It's nuts. Folks, it's a tough job to discipline. Look at what the Bible says. Discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you are helping them destroy themselves. It's so important. And if you're married, you need to be on a united front when it comes to discipline. Don't sit and play good cop, you know, bad cop. Don't try to get all of your, you know, needs met. You come together on things and you just create a clear pathway for them. Look at the next scripture. It says, people who accept correction are on the pathway to life. Folks, what parenting is, is trying to get your kids on the pathway that God desires for them in this thing called life. And on this pathway, there's going to be don'ts, where you say don't, and you enforce the don't. And there are going to be times in which there are do's, things that you want to do. As I was preparing this this week, Jennifer and I sat down and we were like, what are some of the positive do's that we want in the Bunch family? Now, Jordan can't even understand some things, and Shiloh definitely can't. But we actually went ahead and we put down four scriptures, and it's on our refrigerator right now. And these are things that we'll do at supper time every once in a while. Uh, from now on, is when we sit down for a table, we'll just kind of uh, read this. Here's one of them. Let's all read this one together. All of you, that means all of us, okay, let's try that again, okay? All of you should be of one mind, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. I mean, more than anything else, we want our two little girls to have tender hearts, and humble minds. Here's another one. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, or in our house, sisterly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Here's the next one that's in the bunch building block. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to boast. 
But be humble toward one another, always considering others better than yourselves. And look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. Then Philippians 2.14 says this. And let's read this one together, okay? Do everything without complaining or arguing. Isn't that a good one for kids? I mean, do everything without complaining or arguing. And in many of our families, I'm just telling you, if you don't have a building block of Scripture, pick some out yourself. And maybe it's just one, but put it on the refrigerator. Maybe that's the one. And you just say, this is going to be how we function as a family. You know, I think one of the most foundational things that you can give to your kids is what I call the praise foundation, that you praise your kids. This week, I read a great story about a lady um, who uh, went to her front door one day, and there was this uh, uh, retriever, a dog, a uh, Labrador retriever. And um, he was sitting there, and he kind of looked up at her, and he had the paper uh, in his mouth. And um, she was like, oh, that's so cute. He did such a good job, got my paper. So she went in, got a little treat, came back out to him and said, you know, good dog. You're such a good dog. Well, the next morning she opened up the door again. And there was that same Labrador retriever with seven newspapers uh, on the porch. You know what? Sometimes our kids, what they simply need to hear is for you to say, you are a good boy. You are a good girl. You are valuable. I mean, they sit there waiting with eyes for you to give some worth. And if you're a grandparent too, it's the best thing you can do is put worth and value into their life. Parents build this praise foundation for your kids when they're little so that when they become teenagers, they know that when you say things, you really mean it. I mean, things like this. Oh, yeah, you sat on the potty again by yourself. You're doing a good job. That's the most beautiful painting I've ever seen. Even if you look at it, you go, I have no clue what this is. Okay? Your attitude was awesome last night. You handled that situation so well. I'm really proud of you. Or you know what? Your uh, driving doesn't scare me as much as it used to. You know? Uh, you know, whatever it is. Just nurture your kids. Catch them doing something right and let them know about it. And when you do this over time, and you correct them in the times that they don't, they'll learn to value you more. Well, today is the elephant in the nursery, and I thought that what might, what might be really helpful is to sit down with somebody who is going through this. Well, I sat down a couple of weeks with Heather Moore, um, and we kind of did an interview together. Now, little did we know that 18 hours after the interview, she actually delivered her son. Uh, his name is Xavier Leon. And uh, we did this little interview, and so why don't you check it out real quick. Well, Heather, thank you uh, so much for doing the interview today. Um, you're uh, obviously pregnant there. Yeah, not hiding it anymore. <laughs> I guess not. And... Um, you're eight months along, is, is that about right? It's 36 weeks and three days today. Okay, so got it down to the actual day. <laughs> and um, I was just wondering, um, do you guys know what you're going to have? No, we decided to keep it a surprise. 
Oh, okay. Well, uh, I don't think it's going to be a surprise much longer. <laughs> yeah. um, how, uh, how's the pregnancy gone? How have things gone so far? Um, actually, it's gone really well. haven't had a day of morning sickness, so hopefully I didn't just jinx myself for the last couple of days here. Yeah. Um, here in the end, we've had some blood pressure issues, but um, that just means we'll probably meet baby sooner rather than later. Yeah, so, I mean, it sounds like days, maybe hours even, yes, that, yes. that baby's coming. Well, Heather, um, I know that any young mom kind of has some fears, uh, kind of a fear factor. So um, what's kind of the, the fears that you have going in, you know, getting ready to have a uh, baby more? Um, actually, a lot of people have asked me this, and they all expect me to say delivery, uh -huh. which I'm not really nervous about at all. It could be ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I'm not sure. Right. But um, right now I'm more concerned about the moment where they say, your baby's good, and here you go, go home, take care of it for the next 18 to 40 years. Yeah. And um, just a little bit afraid of the patience and everything that will come with that. Yeah. So what are, like, some of the practical things that you're kind of fearful of once you actually, you know, have baby home, I guess? Well, obviously, at least subconsciously, I'm afraid of feeding the child because oh. the past five nights in a row... Um, had the dream that we didn't feed her or him for a whole day, 24 hours straight. So that's, uh, hopefully I just need to write it down on my planner, set an alarm on my cell phone, remember to feed your baby. So feed baby is kind of important. Yes. And yes. Yeah, I can understand that. And today you even told me there was an item that you were trying to make sure that you had, you were kind of panicking about. Why don't you tell about that a little bit? Yeah, for whatever reason, I had it in my head that we had to have a carbon monoxide detector, and I was panicking about it. Finally bought one, and we were, all, we were good. Okay. <laughs> up, and we can have the baby now. Right, right. Well, fears definitely are a part of, uh, you know, the nursery process once you get back. Um, but instilling some things is important, too, and so... What are some of the things you want to instill within your baby? Well, if my husband had a choice, uh, he would instill a love for IndyCar um, and probably, you know, successful driving, um, different skills like that. Uh -huh. I would prefer anything um, to, ins to instill success in a tropical area where we could follow him or her. Hawaii <laughs> would be good. But seriously, um, the biggest one is we definitely want our child to know that God loves him or her, um, no matter what they might do, because we all know they're going to screw up. Right. Um, we also want them to know that God loves them, even if mommy and daddy are mad, or um, someone at school is mad at them or picking on them, that God loves them no matter what. Oh. And of course, we want them to know that mommy and daddy loves them. Mm. Um, with actions more, you know, definitely want to tell them every day that we love them, but also just in our actions, uh, going to see them play football or asking them how their day went or um, going to a band concert, anything like that, spending time playing frisbee. We just want them to know that we're always there for them no matter what. And changing diapers. Changing well, diapers. Yeah. They probably won't be playing football right away. <laughs> we would like them to know um, that they have a family outside of, you know, their biological family that loves them, mm -hmm. um, a church family, a small group family, friends um, that we're with all the time. We just want them to know that there are other people other than mommy and daddy and 
eventually brothers and sisters that they can turn to and um, that they can build a sense of community with. Yeah. And I know that you guys are a part of our small group, so, um, you know, we've had several different people have babies (laughs) (laughs) over the last few months. And, um, you know, I know it's just been such a joy. and, And can you talk about that a little bit, just about how the small groups come around and you're like, yeah, I really want our child to kind of experience that. Sure. Um, We, Zach and I, both have very much appreciated all the prayers. We, every time, or every every time we meet, people pray for the pregnancy, pray for the baby, pray for us. Um, I don't know, in the past, they've uh, brought food and diapers and, I mean, just everything you could think of. Um, We really appreciate all of that support, but we're also excited to have... um, a place where we can bring our child, where they can grow up with the other kids in the small group, and they can form their, you know, their own community, their own friends, and uh, that they can love and support on each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, Heather, you know, thanks so much for uh, being able to share today, and especially, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing this little baby more uh, grow up uh, to love God and, and love people and, and love the community. So. Thanks for doing the interview with only uh, a few days or hours <laughs> yeah. left. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> well, after a couple of uh, weeks of being in the hospital, uh, baby Xavier is home, and uh, we're excited uh, for them. I just want you to know how important this chair is and that it's in this chair that you can express your fears It's in this chair where you can dream dreams uh, that are God's dreams. And it's in this chair where you can nurture and love your kids. But you got to be in the chair. You got to be in it. Well, you have a homework assignment for next week. Uh, It'll come up on the board. And what I'd like you to do, whether you're uh, a parent, a potential parent, or a single parent, I'd like you to... uh, Ask these questions of one another uh, this week. The first one's this. What is the one concept that challenged you the most in the teaching today? And you could just talk about that. What was the one thing that challenged you? And then the second one is, what is one lesson from the teaching today that will be implemented in your own parenting role or grandparenting role? What's one thing you're going to implement? Well, Folks, this week, um, God wants to help you through this, not go along. Uh, go, uh, go alone on your own. And as you turn to him, he will help you um, to do what is most important in raising your kids in the nursery. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, we know that uh, raising kids... Um, is not always easy, and we ask that you would give us the wisdom that we need to uh, know how to do this best. And God, I pray for um, our young parents and maybe our soon-to-be parents even, that you would help them to know how to um, do the things that are important, that will honor you, and will show extravagant love to their kids.
And God, for those of us that are further along, maybe in the parenting um, kind of continuum, maybe we're even grandparents now, uh, Lord, would you help us to take the things that we've learned today and implement those as well? And if we're single or we're married but don't have kids, God, help us to know how to plug in to a young family and to care for them. God, thank you so much for all of our kids that are in nucleus and collision and and all of those things. And uh, I just ask that you would bless them and thank you for the workers that care for them. Help us as a church, God, know how to raise kids in such a way that honor you, that love people, and make ripple effects in this world. It's for your honor and glory, I pray. Amen. Well, have a great week. Know you're loved in this place. Next week we talk about sex. So, uh...